Hey everyone, welcome to the celebration of singleness. And um, we're continuing to this part three of our conflict resolution series. And, um, and today's title is Put Down the Mask. <laughs> and I'm excited about this one because this one I get a little bit more personal. So what I want to start doing is, is every four episodes, I'll try and like include like maybe like um, a dream segment episode and how it relates to the topic that we're on and what God is doing. And so today I'm going to be sharing three dreams and they've all had the same um, theme throughout and it tied into conflict resolution, um, which is why I love the put down your mask. Um, and I, I do feel like it speaks to a lot of people seasonally in a sense that um, in order to resolve conflict authentically, we have to embrace being ourselves authentically. And I think what I want to go through is, is what is God saying um, all of that requires, you know? And so, so let's dig in. Uh, but first to start off, Hey, look, if you guys have any questions, stories, whatever it is that you want to share, send it to my email. I'm going to repeat it twice. So get your pens. Um, it's S-H-A-M-M-A-D-I-E-U-J-U-S-T-E at yahoo.com. Again, that's S-H-A-M-M-A-D-I-E-U-J-U-S-T-E. E at yahoo.com and um yes so just share me whatever it is like you know i'd love to spend some time getting to know you guys and understand you guys so by all means please share what's on your heart don't be afraid anyways um so put down your mask this was inspired really by um my dream life lately and how I am in a transition season where I'm kind of starting to get into my promise. And from what's been revealed around me is, number one, I've had more revealings of the people around me that God's been trying to remove. And um, on top of that, uh, I'm learning why it was hard to connect with these people. Um, Because I think what I was connecting with is their mask so when we had when we would have um conflicts either the conflicts would be often or they would just go unresolved so it was like this continuous cycle of this issue and it was like a continuous spiritual it was like that same spirit was just always there no matter what and it kind of always felt like i was in this different cycles with different friendships And then so when we went into quarantine, I started to notice how like a lot more free that I felt. (laughs) It was so crazy. And then I mentioned that, you know, I had stepped down from a ministry. So it was just so interesting how free I felt because I didn't feel so connected to people that um, I probably shouldn't have been connected to. And so the first dream I want to share, because I know I'm going to be on them for a little bit. So I want to like dig right in. So put down the mask. Why is putting down the mask so important? The first one is called the fridge, I call it. So I'm in the dream. I walk into, I'm feeling so hungry. So I walk into the kitchen 
And the first thing I look at is the fridge. And then I notice there's pictures of food, but there is no food. So then I'm just like, that's weird. And then I went to the cabinets. I went to everywhere and I found no food. And finally, I go back to the fridge and then I look behind the picture and then I see a granola bar that's made out of graham crackers. And so I um, finally was just like, all right, um, cool. So I just took the graham cracker granola bar and I stuffed it in my pocket as if I probably wouldn't get anything else to eat. So, yeah. So basically, what does it mean? So me being hungry means that I was like hungry for the presence, hungry for more, that I'm in this season where I'm growing, um, I'm growing in the, in the desire for the Lord. Um, and, and like in a season where like God's word is like very real and present in my life. And so, um, and so I'm seeking for more. And as I'm seeking for more, I'm going to um, like, I'm starting to discover the discernment of, of heart matters around me. And so what I discover is, um, is the lack of, um, is the, the lack of, um, meat that I'm getting from a certain, um, ministry. And what that means for me personally is the lack of meat is I always, it's like, at least in this context, is really just the fact that um, it's more referring to like the things that's helping my spirit man grow and get strength and you know what I mean and stand up more. And what that looks like for me is really just receiving some food to get stronger, to get healthier and the quality of the food. And in this case, I couldn't find anything. And the only thing I got was a snack. Now I looked up what you know, like why granola bar? So I just started looking up granola bar just to see if I can get some practical information. And I stumbled upon this website and she was expressing how she started to use graham cracker flour um, instead of granola because she found that, um, you know, her husband actually didn't even like granola. Ironically, as I was listening to this woman, um, she was, you know, she said something interesting how she said that she felt like her discernment was off because she felt like, you know, most, this is what stood out to me. She was like, she felt like everyone loved granola. So she felt like, you know, it was weird because she felt like her discernment was totally off when she realized that a lot of people really don't like granola. They like graham cracker. And that stood out to me. And it was so interesting because I was like, whoa, Lord, that's so crazy. Thank God I didn't get stuck on what I thought it would mean. I just literally knew that that one was sticking out to me for whatever reason. And then I started to get an interpretation of it finally. And I felt like the Lord was saying to me that, um, and God was telling me that that means that a lot of times when people are ministering, they tend to focus on what is going to get a reaction versus what actually nourishes people's body and their souls. In this case, their souls. So, sure, their appearance appeared. So with the pictures, they like you had all sorts of food that would be at your discretion, but they were all pictures. They weren't real. And so what God was saying is, is that, you know, instead of um, when people focus so much on the appearance and how they appear and how they're... Um, their presence, media presence is 
presented. What happens is, is you're presenting people the the um, image of you, and you're not really um, bringing anything to the table. You're not bringing anything that's nourishing to the body. Um, and even when you do, you have such a small portion. It's like a snack portion. It's not enough to really um, allow someone to walk away feeling strengthened and encouraged in the Lord. And this is more, I, I believe, speaking more to the ministry. Because um, when I saw this dream manifested, um, there was I was at an event. And it was an event that... Um, that I was partnering with. And, um, and at the event, the guy was performing and I was just ministering. And one of the things God highlighted to me is the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And he was basically, like I explained the last podcast is that God was, um, or one of the past podcasts, I was expressing that God wants me to be able to, um, to basically focus on not being seen and, um, to focus more on serving and in serving, you kind of can't worry about how people see you and you can't worry about your image because um, you can't really focus on an exterior and an interior at the same time um, simultaneously. I'm not saying neglect your image. I'm saying that your image is not the most, it shouldn't be treated like it's more important than the internal because at the end of the day, our, our, um, we're supposed to make disciples of man. We don't just bring them to we don't just bring them to salvation and keep it pushing. We don't just talk about God and then that's it. Our goal is to um, disciple them, which means that they should come to at least enough of an understanding of the Lord where they want to follow the Lord, and then Holy Spirit takes on from there. So basically, everything that I was seeing in the kitchen was really this appearance of something that was available to you and um, an appearance of um, an ability to to bring the food to the hungry person. But in our reality, they really didn't have that ability. And you had to go searching to even be able to get something that they still were just kind of trying to give um, something to kind of contribute more to their appearance than it is to actually nourishing the body. And that was something that I felt like God was kind of just highlighting to me. So it gave me insight. You know, naturally, when you see things like this, you want to judge. You want to you want to be like, oh, I'm staying away from them. And honestly, I think one of the reasons why you have to stay close to God and God starts to reveal more to you is really just the fact that, like, God knows that he can trust that you're not going to become this judge that you're always going to understand, like, because of what you came from, you're always going to empathize with people, not to an unhealthy degree where I'm trying to save you, but healthy enough where I still want to see you grow. So in this case, you know, like I was able to look at them and just learn how to intercede because I was partnering with the program, with the, with the ministry at that time in that I was interceding. And God had given me, God had already spoken to me about territory and, um, and what areas do I have territory and where not and learning about authority and how to bring like a protective covering to a certain area and how to know that. And I believe that every believer should be seeking the Lord on that and be aware of the protective covering and their authority that they bring. So when you start to step into your ministry, you understand, um, 
Not that you should be afraid, but understand the areas that you have territory and areas that you don't. So you know how to approach it. So with this guy, because he happened to partner with the right people, he had the right covering. But, um, but had he, had he like, had he been less committed to the image of his ministry, I believe that he could have had a more explosive opportunity to really be able to, um, to bring further connection and more people to the Lord. And I only say that really because I think sometimes some people get caught up in what they want to achieve or their new music that they want to put out there and things like that instead of what God is doing. And that's what I appreciate so much about some of the people I run with is that no matter how many people enjoy our voice and all the things that we do, we're committed to what God is doing in the spirit in that moment. And I believe it's something that my community does well. And um, yeah, so basically, I just want to answer some, you know, I, I wrote down some questions to kind of help us direct that to the to the point of this whole episode, which is to put down the mask. What's the lesson in the relation uh, in relationship to conflict? And in this, I think one of the biggest things that we can take out of this dream is that without there was a moment this I rather give you an example there was a moment that happened where I knew it was I always wait on God for the time when I'm supposed to minister and um but I'm always praying like throughout the whole time so finally and I was dancing so finally I felt the moment so I went to it I went to a specific spot I felt the Lord lead me to um, for more protective reasons. And then I started to do it and they were like, no, no, no. Um, you know, he doesn't want you. The media guy doesn't want you there. Cause we feel like it's going to ruin the shot. And so I was like, huh, that's so weird. Cause I feel like that spot needs to be taken care of. So, um, I was tempted to be annoyed, but then I was just like, all right, well, I guess this guy's committed to his image. Um, thank God that that's not something I can relate to. So I just was like, all right, well, that's kind of his issue. And then I walked away. So then my pastor was like, oh, hey, look like, because he was trying to encourage me to stay up because he knew that that kind of bothered me. And he pointed me to go to an empty spot. And then I was excited. So I was like, yes, okay, cool. So I went to the other spot and I flagged it up. And I ended up having some really productive conversations with some people. So everything happens for a reason. Literally, not even like 20 minutes later, um, one of the girls who was helping with the organization of it um, came to me and was like, hey, look, um, something just kind of happened where somebody came and started screaming and cursing God. And um, we just want like coverage there. And it was so interesting because I didn't have a conversation with her about authority and territory and what God was talking to me about being there. But like she understood it (laughs) and she came to me telling me, I need you to cover this area. And that was the area that I just tried to cover before that happened. And I thought it was so interesting because because I felt like God was trying to prevent that from happening. And she was like, you know, just saying that she didn't want people to be distracted. And that was exactly what I felt like was the spirit that was that needed to be broken was distraction. Um, And so. It was so funny. So then the rest of the night, I pretty much stayed in that spot. And um, it was ironically, it was the spot that was right behind um, the people, which was so interesting. So 
Um, and I was happy that God was able to use me in that sense, but it was really beautiful. And um, so the reason why I shared that is because it felt like God was teaching me that um, that had the image not been so important in that moment, that conflict moment would have been avoided. But sometimes we get into conflicts where um, where conflicts could be avoided sometimes if we're willing to kind of make uncomfortable decisions. The most uncomfortable thing that would have happened is that the spotlight, maybe, I don't want to say the spotlight, but sure, it would have disturbed his spot, but he would have had spiritual coverage before that moment. But we have to, but sometimes when we're not willing to trust the process and willing to be a little uncomfortable, sometimes we can wait for an attack to come about in order to trust that someone was supposed to stand there. You know what I'm saying? So I think that that's a life lesson within itself. Don't make uncomfortable decisions if you need to, but be committed to resolving conflict. It's it's a commitment that you make. It's a decision you make. It's something you have to be committed to. It's not something that just accidentally happens. And that's something that I really want to like drive home. And um, the warning in it is for people who, as you step into your ministry and as you gain a lot of attention and attraction, do not fall into the trick of um, being more, don't spend more, the most simple way that I can say it, do not spend more hours on your image than you do in your personal relationship with the Lord. Make sure you dedicate time to sitting and being at his presence because everything you minister in flows from your secret place. And if you don't dedicate time to your secret place, no matter what's going on, what God has blessed you with, your ministry will suffer. And so, and so like, you know, and it makes me ask the question, you know what I mean? How um, does this prepare your character for singleness, right? And so the idea is, is that it prepares you for singleness in a sense that you learn to be, you learn to be so dedicated to who you're becoming and you learn to be dedicated to conflict resolution because you can see that kind of like every time God brought a prophetic voice to bring a word, um, one of the things that you learn is that when somebody was contrite in heart um, or repentant, they were kind of more open to correction, which Proverbs also backs that up too is that wise people love correction. Like they'll, you know, wise people get advisors. They have mentors. They have people who are constantly giving them perspective, right? And then there's the foolish person who doesn't want any, um, who doesn't want to be corrected. They believe that their logic is correct and they don't really receive any correction. So like, you know what I mean? And when you become a wiser person, God gives you this ability to understand people and to be able to not necessarily agree. And I think that's the biggest thing with conflict is it just because I can empathize and understand you. It doesn't mean that I agree, but I at least want to be so dedicated to peace that number one, I can still minister to you even when um, we are having a tough moment. Because I believe how we handle conflict ministers to people it, that if our relationship is real with the Lord or not, because we become a reflection of how God handles conflict. And I believe I have to sit there and take in on my secret place as I'm talking about conflicts 
is Jesus, how would you have dealt with this? And be accountable to that. So, and I believe that as you develop that aspect of your character, like how God, how would you have handled it? How can I be a vessel right now to resolve this conflict? Is it possible? Is this the person who get, likes the attention that the conflict brings, which means that they don't want to resolve it? Um, are they or are they toxic that they, you know what I mean, and can't even be, shouldn't even be someone within my vicinity? Um, and you have to ask yourself, yourself those questions. Or is it someone who genuinely wants to change but just doesn't understand, but we're just not understanding each other at the moment. So if I have more understanding and I have the ability to understand where I'm at and where this person is, then I can express myself from that point of view, starting with them first as a way of serving them and then introducing what I understand from my point of view and how our differences are okay and invite the person to feel how they feel and I feel how I feel but it doesn't have to turn into a challenge. But I don't believe that you can have these type of conversations with all people. I believe that you have to have a desire to fix something. And if someone doesn't want to drop their beef, if someone's jealous of you and doesn't know how to redirect their jealousy and want to fix the issue, you just got to let God handle them. And in that case, you maintain an attitude of love. Don't let yourself fall into strife. Rebuke it off of yourself and pray for the person. Pray only when I feel like, um, ask God to rebuke you until you have the love for your enemy to pray blessings over them. Because God is introducing or exposing an enemy because you have the authority to break it. And I really do believe that and I live by it. So this is why discernment is so important because discernment will tell you, um, you know, multiple things. Like if a guy is coming to you and he's not authentically himself, discernment's going to expose that. And then if you're a person who doesn't trust your discernment, you need to ask God for more confirmations because a lot of times you can be a person that discerned that they were a bad person a long time ago. But again, we go back to that euphoria where you allow that to be your flesh to be more driven than um, what the spirit of God is telling you. So this is this is things that if we can get better at um really at this idea of seeing is it a picture of food and a picture of what it looks like that i need with a granola bar behind it or is it really food and i feel like if you take the time to really get to know him and really hear what he's saying and not what your emotions want or need um, then it gets easier and um, yeah, so with that, you know, we learn like how that helps us in real life, in real life situations. Now, the next one I want to share is called the dealership. Um, and in this dream, I'm in this perspective where I can tell that I'm a person that um, I'm in the dream, but then I'm also when I'm dreaming it, I'm out of the dream. So this is God is in this particular dream because this doesn't happen in a lot of dreams but I can discern when God is doing it is that God is showing me um, something that happened already and he's giving me heaven's perspective and exposing everything that happened in the situation. So again, so I'm telling you that this is a situation that happened already by the time I dreamt it. And so I had a dream that I was at a car dealership 
And I was in a particular area where whoever this person was, it was a little bit of an isolated area, so I couldn't see other salesmen. I was in there. I was the person watching, but I can tell that the person that I was watching was I was the customer. I was the woman who was the customer. She was a very, to describe her personality, she was very firm, very sure of herself, knew what she was looking for, and, um, and was ready for the BS, you can say. I shouldn't even be saying BS. But she was ready for everything that what she came there for, like what she went there for. She was ready for everything that that came with. So she had a very firm demeanor about her that kind of intimidated anybody who tried to lie to her, which is like a whole mouthful within itself. So I could tell that I was the buyer. I was the one buying the the car. So I knew what I wanted already. The guy had done well with telling me about the car. I knew that that was the car I wanted. But I can tell by looking on the outside, looking in, I can tell that she was uncomfortable with the salesman. And she was asking questions in a way that was causing her to love the product, but resistant to, um, to giving in to buying the car because she doesn't like the person. She hasn't related to the person that's in front of her. So what, what started to happen is really just the fact that like, she kind of started to be uninterested in the sale, like completely, like he didn't have a sale only because of the fact that it had nothing to do with the product, everything to do with him. So he gets up and he goes to go get the manager. As he goes to get the manager, I go and I sit and I have a casual conversation with her and I'm not even trying to sell her. And I just told her, you know, I was telling her about um, how I learned sales and how, um, you know, how long I was in sales and where I feel like that's going to take me in the future. And I started kind of telling her a little bit about my aspirations. And so she kind of bought into me. She liked me automatically, and I think that she enjoyed my authenticity. So she started to, um, you know, so she became interested in the product because she had already liked the product. She just didn't like the salesperson. So she became so comfortable with me so quickly that she wanted to buy it. Now, um, I used to actually work as a salesman in cars. So like the so there's times where I'm not saying this is all dealerships. This is my experience is that with dealerships, um, Sometimes when it goes to a finance office, my experience would always be sometimes, not always, would be that like they would try to offer the warranty to the customer. But a lot of times the financial managers would kind of use manipulation rather than developing a relationship with the customer um, to to like, you know what I mean, to get them to buy it. And instead of actually introducing the benefits of the product and really trying to sell it, they would use, they would trust more manipulation than anything. So that was kind of like more so the issue all the time. So one of the tactics they would use is number one, they would make you wait mad long for no reason. And most of the time it was because they were on the phone to bank to try and see what's the most they can get approved of. And if not, it was really just this game of making you wait to get you impatient. So by the time they sell you, you're, you've been waiting so long that you're just, you just want her to get it over with and you overlook details. So that was like one of the tactics of making you wait. Then once you got in there, a lot of times they would try to size you up to see if you were an intelligent person or not. And if you weren't, they would just get as much money out of you as possible. But if you were, then they would kind of feel you out to see what they can get away with. And so 
with this particular situation, I was the type of person that like I knew the type like I knew what I came for. I I had already shot prices. I knew everything. So by the time I I was still sitting there connecting with her. And then the manager started to come over because the original sales guy couldn't really close it. And then he saw me sitting there. So he goes and he leaves. And then the moment I got up because I was done talking to her because she was finally ready to buy it. I leave. She He comes in and he's ready. He's coming in. The manager's actually coming in as the finance manager, which sometimes they do if the customer connected with the manager and they're unwilling to really connect with another finance manager. So, and the name of the person that was playing the, in my dream, playing the manager, his, his name means strong, virtuous, and, um, noble. And, um, and his, his last name means metal, um, like metal, metals of the West, which, you know, means like pastures and things like that, which reminds me of, um, a couple of paintings that I had, which is always like, you know, inspired by someone um so this person kind of had a portrayal of themselves as like this innocent person but then when he started to speak to her he started to talk about the five-year warranty on the car and started to like kind of blow up the price way more than what it was she got annoyed because she felt like he was trying to play her like she was an uneducated buyer he didn't talk to her like she was an educated buyer and because he approached it as if she was uneducated, the the sale blew up and she left because he took it a little too far. And I know sometimes managers will test you out. They'll start off really high to see if you're willing to take the price. But because this girl was so educated, she knew he was like way, way, way out of the park. And so she left and didn't even give it my chance to fix it. Now, in real life, the way that this manifested... What this means, sorry, is that basically there's a woman that, like, she knows that um, there's a particular ministry that God is, um, that God is presenting her with and that she understands. And this is because I understand what it means is that she understands how her husband plays a role into that. Now, there's someone who um, likes her and this person is basically trying to sell themselves to her as if this is her husband. But she is kind of like, um, she's not really buying into it. And so he goes and he basically tries to, because he, he can't get her to like him authentic, like for who he is. And because she's not feeling that he's authentically himself, she's feeling like, like he's kind of like wearing a mask and she can feel the mask. And so he doesn't realize that, but he's kind of so desperate to get a sale, like to, he's so desperate to win her over that he's willing to go to certain um, manipulative tactics. So he goes to get, he goes to encounter with a spirit that appears strong and all the other stuff. And so he partners with someone else and someone else tries to come to her. Someone who's kind of like sees how powerful she is and becomes a little intimidated but insist on like still trying to get away with it anyways. And then when he moves forward, he actually sees that she's more, um, and he tries to kind of do a devious act, a very manipulative, de de deceptive act. 
and it ends up blowing up the whole situation. She leaves and doesn't even give him a chance to fix it. And in reality, that, that's exactly what happened. So at the same, at the same ministry, that moment when I was ministering, um, I actually don't have a car. So like, I literally have to either rely on some random people in my community or I have to kind of just trust that God's going to get me home most of the time, which is very uncomfortable. But I've been going through that season for a while. And so I knew that's why I was so prayerful to even make sure I was supposed to be there and what my purpose was. And so I'm ministering and dancing and stuff. And at some point I look over to my bag and I noticed that the little part of the bag was unzipped and it crossed my mind because right before that Holy Spirit was like, yo, go get your wallet. And then I was just like, wait, but would somebody steal from me while we're worshiping? That's kind of crazy. Because where I had my stuff, it was the area where the security was standing and stuff like that. And it was where everybody in the band had their stuff. So I thought I was fine. And I was like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. And then I should have just listened. But because normally I would. It's just I was in the zone and I didn't want to stop to go get my wallet. So, uh, so then like once the whole time of um, ministry is done, I go over to my thing. I start asking people for a ride to the closest train station. Doesn't matter what. And then I was just going to pay my way to get home. Now, I only had $20 on me because, you know, like, I don't, you know what I mean? I literally, the type of job I have is like a lot of random here, there. It's not really like a steady job. So, um, and all I had on me was $20 because that's literally all I had to my name in that particular moment. So, um, and I brought it with me just in case. So literally like I'm and then nobody's like saying yes. And that all happened for a reason. I started getting frustrated, but it happened for a reason. (laughs) Then finally, something just tells me, look in your wallet. And then I'm just like, could they have found it? No way. But I go in my wallet, I open it up and I see I look through and I'm like, oh, my God, my money's gone. And the guy, there was a guy that I just met two days before and him and I had been hanging out the last two days and he comes over and then I'm just like, oh my God, I'm trying to get home and like my money is missing. And he starts acting strange and like really weird and starts like acting very uncomfortable and I can discern that he knows something and I just got upset and I literally closed my wallet, threw it in my bag and I literally run around the corner to cry with no one seeing me. <laughs> and I cried. And when I was done crying, I called my uh, one of my close friends and she was like encouraging me to go confront him. And I was like, you know, if somebody's willing to steal $20 and that's all you have in your wallet, I can't even have a conversation with someone like that, especially since they act like they're sold out for the Lord and that they're there to worship God and stuff. I'm just that if the $20 cost the revelation, that I'm willing to pay that price. And that was my mentality. And she was like, dang. And her mentality was that she had lost her phone in an open big area before. So in her head, she couldn't understand why if somebody can turn in my phone, certainly someone can return $20. And that was the perspective she was coming from with. And I appreciated her faith. I did. (laughs) But I was just like, in that moment, I just couldn't do it. And so... Um, thank God someone who was supposed to bring home the performers had um, gotten up. She felt like she was, you know, just a little sad because she felt like she had like, you know, like 
maybe stranded them or whatever. So she stuck around a while to make sure if they needed a ride. And then she um, literally was walking to her car and she saw me crying. And then I was explaining to her that I was going to take the train and bus home, but I can't even do that because someone stole my money. And she um, and she offered me a ride home, even though she lived like about 35 minutes away from me. And I felt so bad. And I realized in that moment, I'm so bad at receiving. <laughs> but anyways, I, I you know, um, she was happy to do it. So it made me feel more comfortable. But um and basically, like, God explained to me, like, certain people operating in certain spirits and what they all mean. The guy who was the manager in the dream represented this new guy that I actually liked and was exploring things with. But he was a guy who had, he was the one that had actually been exposed in the dream to steal from me. Ironically, earlier that day, he had actually asked me, because I had a dream about him the night before, too, because I had asked God about him. What does he think about him? And I had a dream about him that didn't really expose anything that was good. But he had something about him that made me feel very secure and com- comfortable. But it was like a false sense of security and comfort. And in the dream, he was the same way. That's why the the character he was represented as meant strong and noble and virtuous. And, um, and appeared to be a worshiper of God. Because God was saying that that was the spirit that that person carried. Like, they appear to be so close to me, but they don't know me. And he's actually, like, a thief. And so when that happened, I was like, dang. So, like, I fully understood that that's who that was. And then in my dream, the sales guy actually was my friend. Um, And God had finally made it clear because a year back, there was a guy that I was interested in. And him and I were kind of hanging out. And he had hung out with this friend as well, was there. And he warned me about hanging out with this friend. He was like, don't hang out with this person anymore. He was like, just be careful hanging out with this person. And I was like, you know, I know he ain't got it together and he's all messed up. But like, but you know, he's he's harmless was my response. And he was like, I'm telling you, just be aware. And literally, um, and it's funny because I heard this message recently that confirmed that word and brought it back to remembrance that he even said that to me was that I had heard this word where the guy was saying, if you pay attention to the story of Adam and Eve, you can hear how she didn't, she wasn't startled by the the serpent. She, it was as if the serpent had been there, but like he, she finally started to hear his lies. And for the first time she starts to respond to his lies and um, and she starts to have a casual conversation with a spirit that isn't of God. And it's funny because when my friend warned me, I knew that my friend had demonic spiritual issues, but I thought it was harmless because of how clear I was able to see it and how much I knew what they were. But God then reminded me that it is dangerous to allow people in your environment that struggle with a certain, that struggle spiritually, but do not want to change because it gives them this sense of control of the outcome of what they feel like they deserve um, from the Lord. And God had been continuously trying to show me that and I wasn't listening and it cost me some things and it made my road to the promise longer because the people that were there weren't helping to project me there. They were kind of holding me back. And that was something God was teaching me through that. And so the lesson, and that's the deep lesson in this dream is really just understanding that. And, um, 
and how to be aware of your surroundings, like to protect your ministry, like to protect the ministry God is launching you into. Protect um, the the covering or not the covering, but like to protect the future husband that God may have you ministering to. Because what this guy was doing was kind of like literally just kind of like putting doubt in every person that I was interested in. Even if I started for a second to think that this guy was my husband or something, he would start to plant all this doubt in my head. And it was um, selfishly motivated. Um, and rather you guys realize that or not, just be aware of that because that stuff is witchcraft. If you're hanging out with a close friend that has feelings for you and they're of the opposite sex, and every time you talk about anybody you're feeling or um, someone you believe is your wife and they always got some negative stuff to say, the best thing they can do for you is take some separation. So when I caught feelings for a while ago, I talked about a guy that I caught feelings for and I started to fall in love with as more than a friend. Now, when I caught feelings for him, I told him, I'm not going to lie to you. I can't be your friend because if I'm your friend, you're, my energy is going to be on you. And not only that, but I might have a hard time accepting that you care about another woman and you don't deserve that. And so I was more committed to seeing him be able to move on with nothing holding him back. And that was just something that I felt he deserved because I had been on the other foot too many times. And now I was understanding why. So, and here I had someone who was pretending to be my friend the whole time, but in all reality, he was trying to be with me. And that, that stuff is dangerous. Like, it's more dangerous than you think for the future guy that's coming up. So just keep that aware. And I want y'all to be aware of that because that can turn into a spiritual spouse, which affects you through the spirit of lust. Because if it's not a union that God wants, but it's something that this person wants their desire so powerfully that they're willing to make it from the Lord, they easily start to move into the spirit of lust. And then it starts to project onto you. So what I encourage is for you to just be aware and, um, and just, you know, and that's the warning that is there in this dream. This woman promptly got up and left the moment she felt any type of fraud. And in real life, that's exactly what I did. The moment I felt fraud from this kid that I thought I liked, I literally didn't even hesitate. I immediately stopped having conversations with him, cut him off from my phone, because if he's capable of doing that, I don't even want to know what else he's capable of doing. I don't care to know. I'm not that desperate. And I'm good being single. So real quick, I want to jump into the last one. And I call this one Dead Fish Island. So I go to a dead fish. I go to an island. No, first I see a picture of a woman who looks like she's like having so much fun and she's on some sort of vacation. And she takes a selfie of herself. God, And then I'm looking at the picture and I'm able to jump into the picture. And when I jump into the picture, I look around and I'm like baffled by how much I felt deceived. So I jump into the picture and I see all across the coast is like a whole bunch of dead gray fish all across the shoreline. And then when I looked behind me, all you saw was this black, ugly looking forest, very dark and creepy. And in front of it was tons of thousands of black fish and they were all laying dead. And then there's this woman who's taking a picture of herself in that one spot that didn't have any fish. It's like literally she moved the dead fish over in order to have this one little clean spot. And this spot had white sand. And she took a picture of herself in that one spot and portrayed to everyone 
like she has this glorious life on this vacation when in our and I don't even know if it was a vacation but she was portraying like she was having this glorious life when when you stepped into it you actually saw that it was very like um her surroundings was totally demonic and so it was like God was showing me the heart of a person and how he was basically just saying and this was a dream I actually just had last night but um and basically what it meant was is that there's an image that people portray and this is coming back to put down the mask there's an image that people portray that they're that they take the one thing that they do well or right or whatever and they make it so much bigger than any flaws that they're willing to address so you have and there's and these people become such a master at masking any vulnerabilities and are unwilling to bring those vulnerabilities um, to the Lord, let alone confess it to them that they even have any. It's like a high level of pride that they operate in, that they're so good at covering everything, that they almost make everything in their life look glamorous. And over time, what starts to happen is, is that um, all the dead fish represent all the people, the people, the fish in front of the person represented all the dead fish that, um, help me Holy Spirit on this. It represented the people that they, um, that is in front of them. That is literally like people that, um, are currently under them and currently have, that they influence and that are currently, um, experiencing some attack versus the black dead fish behind them is a is kind of like a track record of the people that they've affected in the past in the past i've i've created a painting for a ministry and um it was about walking by faith like trusting god to help you to deliver you from addictions and this person their addiction wasn't any drug but the attention of people and so what happened is is they were still in the addiction phase and in the painting I had done this like dark ugly gloomy looking thing and it was like it literally came to life and um and the person was living it was living literally in that area and trying to appear like they had it together but in all reality they were so addicted to the attention of people and um and portraying their life so perfectly in order to continue to have the attention they needed when in the meantime they're actually um drawing a lot of dead um spiritually dead people so what is what is the urgent message in this right that as you enter the promise i believe that and um especially this is people who have like a promise of a ministry that God put on your heart or mate that God put on your heart that it's important that putting the mask is so important um, because literally putting down the mask in this season will cause you to make a habit out of being open with your flaws. And when you're open with your flaws, you actually give an opportunity for people to be strengthened by your weakness because you allow the Holy Spirit to be your strength and they receive the impartation of your strength from the Holy Spirit by being willing to be weak and that trusting relationship with God that even if I sh- people take advantage of my weakness, God will be my strength, right? So even when somebody was trying to take advantage of the fact that I'm in my vulnerable state of leaving my wallet in another location and I'm ministering, 
I'm in a vulnerable state where I don't have eyes on my bag the whole time. But even in my weakness, even if somebody tried to steal my money in my weakness, God still put it on someone's heart to still take me home and give her the grace to do so. Because of the fact that I was, I did what I had to do. So even in the weakest moment, God got my back. And that's just a practical example. But that's, that's one of the urgent things that we need to understand is don't be so married to the image. The image is not what God cares for. He didn't say, um, go and lead people into salvation. He said, make disciples of man. That means that they need, that we need to be more committed to their soul being committed to the Lord. And, um, and that's something that we can do strategically. Um, you know, which is, you know, back to the dealership. You can be intentional about the fact that I went in there and I told this woman my aspirations. I was sharing a weakness. I was sharing something I hadn't achieved, something that I was dreaming about, but had not manifested. And so that was something that God used to really show me what is possible. And so with all that being said, I think it's important to, um, to understand that fake appearances, people who are too married to their fake appearance, they do affect you. They do hurt you. And when you try to connect with them, they're more committed to the mask than the connection with you. So I think typically if you don't follow through with some of the discernment God might show you in the beginning, a lot of times you'll see a blown up issue and the way that it's handled will reveal rather this person's wearing a mask or not. Do they avoid the conflict? Do they avoid the conflict and never even talk to you about it and start talking to you as if nothing happened? Um, or do they lash out at you? I was like, it's, it's interesting. Like sometimes when, um, I'm a very honest person, so I'll, I'll, I'll randomly, like, if I feel the need to rebuke you, I'm not afraid of people. So I'll rebuke you. And it's funny. Cause it's like, cause there's times where people will be like, I've had different reactions and both times these people have been delivered after they said something like that to me, but they'd be like, oh, that's why nobody likes you. And that's really like a, a way of controlling you. And it's a lash out and it reveals the true intention of the person that they never really liked you. Um, and that they were kind of just drawing you close as keep your enemies closer type thing. But that's how these people think when they don't like you, when they're jealous of you, when they want what you have, when they want the gifting that you have. They're going to try and keep you close because they feel like that somehow is going to make them get a piece of what you have. So what I'm saying is, is when you have a future ahead of you, be aware of people like that. You know, I got um, the last two questions. I, I want to every question I ask, I want you to always ponder them. But why is it why is vulnerability um, hard but important when single approaching dating and when you're vulnerable you're open about your weaknesses and so uh when you're open about your weaknesses and these are current struggles i'm not giving you past struggles i'm giving you stuff that's happened over the past week or two so that's why i'm saying like when i'm able to be this weak with you there's a strength that's in it because i've overcome it i'm not giving you a current struggle that hasn't been closed yet. I'm giving you a current struggle that God has made me victorious in. I have been manipulated this week. I've had someone really switchcraft over me and I've overcome that. I've had, um, 
I've had someone appear a, a certain way and yet they weren't. And God was able to show me that and how it affected me. I've had someone try to um, make himself like manipulate who I had feelings for in order to kind of keep turning my attention towards him and project lust towards me and overcame that. I've had, you know what I mean? I've, I've had someone attack me through basically having her image being more important than um, connection. And then as a result, she is affecting, I'm seeing her affect people. And at the same time, I'm seeing her like, uh, not only affect people, but like, I'm seeing all the people that she's hurt in that. Um, and that level of vulnerability is not for everybody, but it is definitely for people who are interested in conflict resolution, people who are willing to put down the mask and be able to commit themselves to resolve a conflict, no matter how uncomfortable it gets. So my last question, how does these lessons help us celebrate singleness? And I think celebrating singleness gives us an ability to love ourselves so much that you start to see through a clarity the more you start to love yourself, the more you start to love the Lord. And I think that that clarity starts to then bring you to a point where it's like, hey, God, what do you think about this guy? What do you think about this friend? And God starts to be like, hey, be aware. This is the effects that that person has. Be aware. This is the effect the person has. You just pray, you keep him moving to the next thing. And I think that one of the things that it's caused me to do in this time is I've been able to sustain my celebration of singleness by not inviting unnecessary drama, right? One of the things God showed me with um, the dealership dream was really the fact that this guy appears polished and very, and you feel very comfortable with him, but he has um, a, a desire for, for, um, for things that will get him ahead. He's more committed to finances and money and the things that will get him more ahead than he is committed to connecting authentically with people. So God was in a sense warning me that this is not, this is not a person that you think like who they present, this worshiper that they present to be is not them. And imagine, imagine being healed and grown and loving singleness enough to take these concerns to God constantly. Or I've been praying for my husband for five years and finally I'm getting to a point where I know the season is quickly approaching. And I'm just like, God, I'm still unsure if it's between these two people. And God is like, well, that's because, um, you know what I mean? Part of that was because they also have decision-making to make to see which one is more um, going to step up more. But in all reality, I believe that, that God already knows who it is. And, and the more I start to get closer to my promise, the more clear it is for me that there is a person that seems impossible. And then there's a person that... And it seems more possible, but still impossible at the same time. So I, I think one of the things that God is showing me is, hey, don't worry about it until you're mature enough to handle exactly who it is. And I believe I do know, but it's one of those things that um, just having it narrowed down to two people like that was great because it allowed me to be aware of the distractions. Because distractions, they can't hold you from your promise. But they can definitely make it take longer than it needs to. And I, um, it's not that I don't want to miss that. It's just I want to be so in tuned 
and in one movement with the Lord that I can't get it wrong, even if I tried. That even when I do get it wrong, the Lord's like, nope, I'm going to remove him. So you have no choice but to get it right. I want to be that in tune because God sees how intentional I am to not fall for the distraction versus the actual promise. And so it's been like a, a glorious road to that. And the tie-in, again, to continue to tie it back in is um, celebrating singleness is really being your authentic self um, to bring to people who you are. Like, you don't have to get past all these masks. And I know people are used to being impressed in the beginning, play the game, don't answer him right away and all the other stuff. But it's just like, bro, if I have my phone in my hand, I'm answering. If I don't, I will let you know, hey, my bad, I was running and I didn't have my phone on me. So yeah, but how are you? Um, And then I'll just let a guy know up front, hey, look, I like quality conversation and that small talk crap is not for me. And if I know that he starts to act up and act defensive about that, yeah, he's not here to serve. He wants to be served. And I've cut somebody off for that. Dude was trying to tell me off because I know how I am. And I'm telling you that I don't like small talk. And he thought I was being like high and mighty. And I'm just like, bro, if you can take that and twist it and make it an argument and something that is demonic, then by all means, you can have that. I'm not going to convince you otherwise. But that's my point and that's why I want us to really just understand like the more you grow the more vulnerable you become with who you are for yourself Um, I think the more open um, your communication can be with God because you understand purpose and everything you do becomes so purpose-driven and when God trusts you that much he starts to tell you more secrets because he knows how committed you are to healing and a life of humility and because of that he knows that He can trust you to tell you certain things. And with that trust, it makes it easier to celebrate being single because I trust that my husband's coming. I don't have to question it and I don't have to be afraid that it doesn't come. And I don't have to be afraid of the distraction. You know what I'm saying? So that's the point and that's everything I wanted to share. But God, I just thank you that you're the promise keeper, that that you're the way maker, Father God. And I just thank you, God, that that no matter what happens, God, that you have already won. God, that your word in Proverbs says that you guard your promises and your promises have to come to pass because you're the promise keeper. And God, I pray that we align our um, desire to be what you want it to be. God, I pray that you allow us to fall in such deep love and such deep hunger that we want the things of you and not the things of our flesh. I pray that we continue to to um, grow closer to you and to challenge our faith to grow deeper and stronger in order to become closer to you, God, and desire your will even more. So, God, I just thank you that um, that we desire your will so much that everything we sacrifice, we leave in your hand and we sacrifice it and say, it's yours. Take my career and let it only be about speaking of how beautiful you are and how wonderful you are. Let every gift I have be for your discretion and for everyone to see what you did in my life, Lord. But God, we just thank you that this is this is something that will minister to people. And we thank you for all the people that it will minister to you and, um, and how much they all love you, God. And we bless you and we give you our life, God, and we say it's yours. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys. Once again, my email is S-H-A-M-M-A. 
D-I-E-U-J-U-S-T-E at yahoo.com. Hit me up anytime. Once again, this is Celebration of Singleness. And please hit me up on the next episode as we continue with Conflict Resolution. Leaving you with Put That Mask Down. Love yourself. Be confident. God bless you.